You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. Tonight we're continuing on in our Friendship with God series. And um, tonight I just want to, what, what we're going to do today, I'm going to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, when you think about the Holy Spirit, what comes to mind? Do you think about a dove? Do you think about a flame? Do you think about something like the Force in Star Wars that's kind of out there all, all doing this thing? You know, the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, I think, is simultaneously the, the most uh, neglected doctrine and the most abused doctrine, depending on which theological camp you fall into. And so understanding who the Holy Spirit is and the role of the Holy Spirit is really important. And so tonight, as Jesus continues this last teaching in John 13 to 17, he's going to focus in on the Holy Spirit and what the role of the Holy Spirit is. And so we're going to hear from the mouth of Jesus what, uh, who Holy Spirit is and the role. And so we're going to be in John chapter uh, 16, uh, 8 to 15 today. And as I said, we're continuing on in this Friendship with God series where we're going verse by verse through John 13 to 17, Jesus' last teaching before he goes to the cross. And so I'd encourage you to go there in your Bible. Again, John 16, verses 8 uh, to 15. Follow along, underline, highlight, uh, make notes. I want you to see it for yourself. Let me pray for us and ask Holy Spirit to come and minister to us tonight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are revealed. Your being is as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. A glorious mystery, a profound truth. And I pray tonight as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, that you'd minister to us, you'd teach us about yourself, that you would impart uh, your presence to us tonight. We'd have a sense of who you are and a sense of your power and a sense of your call in our lives. And so we give you this time. Holy Spirit, come and move tonight. We pray this in your name and by your spirit. Amen. Well, last week, if you were here, we were in uh, John uh, chapter, end of chapter 15 into 16, and it was kind of a hard sermon. Jesus was saying, the world's going to hate you. If the world hates you, know that it hated me first. And so we talked about why, why would the world hate Jesus? And we said, well, the world hates Jesus because Jesus comes to expose the truth. Jesus comes to reveal and shine light into darkness and expose that the, the works of the enemy, the works of the world are evil and nobody likes that. And so there's this response. And furthermore, we said that we're in a spiritual war here and the, the ruler of this world, Satan, uh, has uh, quite a bit of jurisdiction. But of course, God as king is coming in and making an invasion and spreading the kingdom and, and claiming people for himself. And so that was last week. And at the very end, um, he said that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to pick it up there and talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let me read. Uh, I'm going to back up to verse 4 in chapter 16, and I'll read the whole text, and then we'll walk through it. So here's what we read last week. He said this, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, of course, they were sorrowful about all the hardship and hatred that was coming. And, of course, if you follow the lives of the apostles, this is exactly what you see. They experienced hardship, loss, persecution. All of them were martyred except for the apostle John. And it's not because they didn't try to kill him. He just survived. 
And so now Jesus continues. He's telling, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. Here's where we're going to focus today. And when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here's Jesus' own words about the role of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that we have to realize about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay? We, we sometimes think as the Holy Spirit is this abstract, out there concept, the kind of this forced thing that's out there like in Star Wars, but the Holy Spirit is a person. We see right here, even in our text, he's referred to not as an it, but as a he. And he's always referred to that way, third person, masculine, singular. The Holy Spirit is a person. So I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. What does that mean that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, it means that he has a personality. It means he does the things that we understand that people do. Now, technically speaking, we shouldn't say the Holy Spirit. We should just say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit this and Holy Spirit that. You put a definite article. It's not like you say the Justin. You say Justin. Okay? So we got to think personal Holy Spirit. So what is the personality of the Holy Spirit? What are some of the things that he does? Well, number one, he can speak. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work. So this was the calling of Barnabas and Saul. What does that mean that the Holy Spirit spoke? I don't know exactly. Maybe someone heard an audible voice. Maybe they all did. The point is the Holy Spirit can speak, and he can be spoken to. We call that prayer. We can pray to the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, we know that he prays for us. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, If we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for us with groanings too deep for words. He gives gifts to the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It specifically says it's the Holy Spirit that gives the church the gifts, the charismata, the spiritual gifts. But listen to this. In Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Have you ever thought about that? You can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if, if we don't listen, maybe we don't follow Him, we don't, or we sin, these are ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit, and it saddens the heart of God. Because Holy Spirit is a person. You ever think about that? We can grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says that we can quench the Spirit. It's literally the language of throwing water on a fire and quenching it. That means that we can hear the Spirit and not do what He says and not follow Him and not obey Him. Now what this says to me is that the Holy Spirit, and I've been studying the Holy Spirit more in depth over the last year, the Holy Spirit, I think, is just, He is just one of the, He's just brooding with humility. There's a gentleness to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to come and bully you over. He's not going to possess you and make you do things. He's going to suggest things, inspire things, put impressions. Maybe he'll speak to you. It's almost like a whisper. And we decide, are we going to follow that or not? If we can even recognize that this is his voice. This is why I try to spend a lot of time talking about how do we hear the voice of God. Because it's so important. Because he's speaking to us because he's a person. And the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. All right? So these are some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. And so it's just important. He is a spirit. He is a uh, person, sorry. 
Uh, he's not an it. He's not a concept. He's not abstract. He's here. He's with us. We can engage with him. Okay, so with that in mind, well, what are some of the roles of the Holy Spirit? What I want to do here is I want to back up a little bit outside of John 16 and look at John 13 to 17 and look at the seven roles, seven roles we see in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. This is not exclusive. Jesus doesn't tell us uh, everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. He's talking in a particular context in this teaching. There's other things that the Holy Spirit does that Jesus does not mention here. So it's just good to keep that in mind. So let's look at, uh, number one, to teach. What are, what are the roles of the Holy Spirit? Number one, to teach followers of Jesus. And we saw this uh, a couple months ago, verse uh, 14, 26 in John. He says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So his first role is teacher. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us the scriptures, that applies the scriptures, that illuminates the scriptures to our hearts. The Holy Spirit teaches us things, okay? And he also brings to remembrance the things that we have learned. So I don't know if you've ever uh, had that experience where you're, maybe you're praying about something or you're going through your day, you're having a hard time and a verse just comes to mind. You ever have that experience? That's the Holy Spirit. Say, how do you know? It says right here that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance the things that Jesus has said. What are the things Jesus has said? Well, in the Word of God, it captures what Jesus has said. Okay? It's all the Word of God. Or maybe you're praying for someone else, and a verse comes to mind. And you pray, then you share that verse, and it ministers to them. You ever had that experience? That's part of the beauty of how the Holy Spirit will work in and through believers. Okay? So the Holy Spirit teaches us Scripture, teaches us things, and He brings to remembrance the things that we have learned. All right, so, to, so one and two, to teach and to remind. Number three here, we saw this last week, to testify and bear witness about Jesus. John 15, 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will what? Bear witness about me. He will testify to me, to Jesus. And we said last week that this was especially in the context of persecution. When you're being persecuted, don't fear, the Holy Spirit will come and will minister through you. Mark 13, 11, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but, whatever, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will empower us in times of trial. Now I think, um, I think we can apply this deriv derivatively, any time that we're trying to testify and witness to Jesus, okay? I don't know if you um, get in those situations where you're, you're meeting with someone and you're wanting to, to share the gospel with them and you're, just, you're waiting for like the right word or the verse or illustration or whatever it is, pray in that moment and I think the Holy Spirit will show up and he will give you words. And sometimes he'll give you things that will minister to this person in a way that that's just, it's just supernatural. And when that happens, it's a real testimony to the reality of the Holy Spirit, the reality of God in our lives, who knows our hearts. So the Holy Spirit witnesses in us and through us. All right, so let's get to our text. Now, 16, 8 here. Here's what we read. And when he comes, Holy Spirit, he will convict the world uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. All right? Now, the word there, convict, can mean expose. It can mean to convince, to bring to light. Uh, but it's always, uh, anytime you see convict, at least in the ESV, it's this word underneath it. Say, well, what does this mean? Well, Jesus elaborates concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. Now, maybe like the disciples, you're sitting there and you're going, huh? What, what does that actually mean? It's a little ambiguous. 
And so uh, you can read different commentaries as I did this week, and you can see there's differing views on all these things. And so I'll share with you what I think they mean. Um, but starting with verse 9 here, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin. In fact, it's only the Holy Spirit that can convict people of sin, right? And so um, and what John seems to be saying here, notice he says, because they do not believe in me. It's almost as if he's saying the sin underneath all sins is unbelief. In fact, the only sin that will keep you out of heaven is unbelief in Jesus and what he's done. That's the only thing. If you think back to Genesis, right, what did the enemy come and do? He came and he called into question the goodness and the character of God. He essentially said, God does not have your best interest in mind. Follow me, eat from the tree. You'll know what it is to be good and evil. You'll be wise. It'll taste good. Come on, take it for yourself. And so what Adam and Eve did is what we all do. Ultimately, they didn't believe the word of God. They believed the word of another. And so unbelief, you could argue, is the sin underneath all other sin. Not believing who God is. So maybe for yourself, just think, if you really believed 100%, without any doubt, that God was good, and he was going to provide, and he had your best interest in mind, would you ever sin? I mean, why do we do that? We take things in our own hands. Say, God's, not, God's taking too long. I'm going to take this into my own. I'm going to do this. Okay? But he says specifically, unbelief in Jesus, which, as I said, is the only sin, uh, is the only sin that really matters, is denying the person and the work of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. They don't believe that I'm needed. Why is Jesus needed? Because of sin. If you don't think sin is a real thing, if you don't think evil is a real thing, you will see no need for a Savior. The Holy Spirit comes to show us sin and our need. So I don't know how needy you feel. I don't know how needy you felt in your life. This is part of the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's a blessing. It's a grace to be aware that we need Jesus because now we can come to him and receive, which I think the next point is here, his righteousness. Okay? Belief in Jesus is like the, is like the key to your front door. There's only one key that's going to open that and bring you home, right? It's the same with the gospel. Jesus' death for our sins and resurrection is the only key that's going to bring us to our heavenly home. So the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin. Number two, of righteousness here. Now note what he says, concerning righteousness, why? Because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Why does he say that? Why is he saying that? I don't know. Why does he say that? Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. He's talking about the resurrection. He's going to the Father. Right? He, so the Holy Spirit convicts the world of true righteousness. And there's only one place that there's true righteousness. It's in Jesus Christ. The world has its own righteousness, its self-righteousness, its false righteousness. Holy Spirit says there's only one, one righteous man, Jesus Christ. And the resurrection vindicated his death for our sin. Did you know that? His resurrection vindicated that, yes, this was the righteous one, and yes, he died for sin, the perfect, spotless lamb that was required. Romans 4.25 says this, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses, for our sin, and what? Raised for our justification. The word there is our righteousness. We're made righteous. 
So this is the Holy Spirit's role, is to apply, really to apply the gospel to our lives, to reveal sin, to bring us to Jesus, and to apply the righteousness of Christ to our lives. So we can live free of judgment, which is the next one here, verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, who's the ruler of the world? Satan. Okay, say, so how can that be? I don't fully understand, but Satan has been given some jurisdiction in the world. And you look out to the world and you can see this, right? It's not a great place a lot of the times. A lot of sin, a lot of suffering. What does it mean that the ruler of this world was judged at the cross? So this is the most amazing thing about the gospel. When Jesus died for sin, when Jesus, by, by, by killing Jesus, ultimately they killed sin. Death we experience the death of death and the death of Jesus. Okay, Hebrews uh, 2.14 says this, Since therefore children share in the uh, flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, listen, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is the devil. Jesus puts a death to sin, puts death uh, to the power of the enemy and defeats Satan on that cross. And the greatest reversal of all time, Satan thinks he's winning by killing Jesus on the cross, but it's his own defeat. Romans 8, 1 and 2, sin itself is condemned. One of the most beautiful verses in Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's freedom. If you ever feel condemned, there's no condemnation. Cling to this verse. Ask the Holy Spirit to this verse. How many believe this verse is true? And you'll experience freedom. Why? Verse 2, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 3, a little bit further. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Okay? The ruler of this world is judged. Sin is judged. Death is judged at the cross and the enemy is disarmed. And so this is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. One of the main roles that he does, and only the Holy Spirit can do this. All right, number five here, to guide followers. Jesus continues, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus has a lot more to say to his disciples. He says, you can't carry it now. So here's my plan. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And here's what he's going to do, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth... Notice all the different words, uh, uh, names for the Holy Spirit. The helper, the advocate, the, the parakleos, the Greek there, the spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God. It's all the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So listen to this. Jesus is going, and Jesus' solution to his absence is his presence. Can you think about that? Jesus is going to the Father. His solution for his absence, his physical absence, is his spiritual presence in the Holy Spirit. He will never leave us or forsake us. And he's going to guide us. Now we know in that, in that, that he's talking to his disciples, and immediately the Holy Spirit's going to guide them into the truth. And we talked about this, I think, before, so that these men sitting here will be able to write the New Testament. But you remember, the New Testament hasn't been around forever. When this teaching is happening, the New Testament isn't in existence. It still has to be written. Well, how is it written? It's written by the Holy Spirit through men. Well, how do they know the right, the right thing? Well, because Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit guides them into all truth. The Spirit of truth guides them into all truth. And I think a better translation here is guides them into the whole truth. The whole truth about Jesus, who John 14, 6, is the truth. 
See, the truth is a person. Ever thought about that? Jesus is the truth. And so the Holy Spirit is going to guide them in the truth, but he also guides us in the truth, right? He's going to guide us into the truth of the gospel, guide us into the person of Jesus and the truth about his, his life, death, and resurrection. But the Spirit also guides our lives as well. We have this relationship. That's why Galatians says, walk by the Spirit. Romans 8 says, if you're sons of God, you're led by the Spirit of God. And so something again has happened when we come to faith, when the Holy Spirit fills our hearts and regenerates us and gives us a new heart, something changes in us. Let me read 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and 12, because it's really fascinating, this distinction. Paul's writing here, but, it, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Love him. Then he goes on, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of a person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of, uh, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. Do you see this new relationship that we have with God? This inside conversation that we can have with God, the creator of all things. I mean, it's amazing. If you really think about what this is saying, we know the ultimate insider, the one who has all power, all control, all knowledge, that he would speak to us through his spirit, that we'd be privileged to this kind of relationship. This is friendship with God is what we've been talking about. And so we have to talk to the Holy Spirit. All right, let's go on to uh, the second part of verse 13 here. He's going to declare, uh, declare to you things that are to come. Okay, so declare to the followers things that are to come. Now, again, immediately, think about John. John wrote, what, the book of Revelation, which is all about the things to come, Revelation 119. Right, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. So the immediate fulfillment of this is Holy Spirit, um, through John, through that whole experience he has on Patmos, writes the book of Revelation, the things that are to come. Back to Revelation, over and over again, it says to the churches, hear what who the Spirit says to the churches. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, does this mean for us that, that the Spirit will tell us things to come? I think the door is at least open to that. Okay? And we know this because we read the book of Acts. You read the book of Acts, there's this prophet named Agabus. And multiple times, the Spirit of God reveals things that are to come. First, a famine that's going to come in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 11. And then Acts chapter 21, as Paul's on his way to Jerusalem, Agabus prophesies, tells what's going to happen, that he's going to be arrested. He's going to be handed over to the Gentiles. So I don't know really to what extent this happens today, but I think it's, there's at least an open door to that. God may choose to do that. He may reveal some things. Okay? And number seven here, and probably the most important, verse 14, the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. Or he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus the same way Jesus glorified the Father. There's this beautiful harmony of other-centered glorification that's happening in the Trinity. And we're invited into that. Do you know there's nothing better than glorifying God? You may not feel that. But if we can get our hearts aligned with this truth and experience that, there's just no better way to live. John Piper, you probably heard this before, captures it best. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. Isn't that beautiful? That is how 
Jesus is glorified. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It lifts our hearts to praise Him and find satisfaction in Him. Look at how Jesus underscores it in verse 15. All that the Father is mine, therefore I said, He will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, what does that mean? Take what is all that Jesus had, all that the Father has is Jesus's. And what does he mean? He's going to declare it to you. What does he mean by that? At least three things. Number one, salvation, which we've talked about. The role of the Holy Spirit is to apply the righteousness of Christ to our lives, to gift us his righteousness, to save us from our sin, to convict us from sin. Secondly, to declare what is mine and give it to you. That's revelation. That's God's word. Again, that's the New Testament that will be written. And number three, the blessings and the promises of God. All that Christ has, he offers to us. Listen to this prayer in Ephesians 1. This is Paul praying, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, Jesus, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, Listen to this. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Are those just words to you? Do you ever just sit and meditate on that truth? That's a promise of God to you. It's true. And sometimes we got to slow down and meditate and stew over it and say, Holy Spirit, apply this to my life. Help me feel the weight and the magnitude and the glory of this verse. And you will. And living in light of this, these promises changes how we live, especially in times of trouble. All right, so this is the work of the Holy Spirit. We've seen seven things here that the Holy Spirit does. And you say, hey, that's great. That's a nice doctrine. Thanks for sharing. Why is that important? Why does that matter to you and I? And here's why it matters. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. The Holy Spirit doesn't work through programs. He doesn't dwell in buildings. He doesn't work through methods. The primary vehicle that the Holy Spirit works is you. Let that sink in. The Holy Spirit does all these things. How does he do that? Most often he does it through you, through the church. Listen to this quote from E.M. Bounds, one of my favorite books on prayer. Listen to what he says. This was written in the uh, 1860s, I think. What the church needs today is not more or better machinery, not new organizations or more novel methods, but people whom the Holy Ghost can use, people of prayer, people mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not fill machinery, but men and women. He does not anoint plans, but men and women, men and women of prayer. Think about that. Oh, if we could capture this, if we could really begin to live this out. And say, okay, let me ask you, how does the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin, righteous, righteousness, and judgment? Through you and I preaching the gospel and telling the truth and standing firm on the word of God. Now, can the Holy Spirit do that without us? Of course he can. And he does, right? All over the world today, there's some crazy things happening in the Middle East. Jesus is showing up in dreams and visions and Muslims and bringing them to Christ and starting a move of God. It's the most amazing thing. God can do that. But most often, he's working through the church. Why? 
because He wants to partner with you. You see, we miss out because we're so busy and distracted with what we think is the best thing to do and how to use our time. And the Holy Spirit gently is whispering, come, come, follow me. Let me show you what I'm doing over here. There's nothing better. Let me show you. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. He works through the church. Romans 10 captures it. Listen. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Jesus says, you are sent. Just as I was sent, I'm sending you into the world. So how does the Holy Spirit guide people? Doesn't he often guide you through other people? Through the church? Through wise counsel? Maybe you help someone else. How does God glorify, how does the Holy Spirit glorify Jesus? Through his church, through how we live, how we sacrifice, how we love. You see how important you are to God's plan. You, filled with the Spirit of God, the most powerful being in all creation, wants to work with you, wants to change you, wants to live inside you, wants to call you alongside of the work he's already doing. There's no better way to live. And I've, I've given my life to this. And I've followed Jesus for 15 years now. There's nothing better. I was in the Navy for 10 years. I drove submarines. Okay, pretty cool to drive a submarine. Better to follow Jesus. Right? It's better. It's better. Do you get it? Do you see why Jesus is telling this to his disciples? Why he's telling it to us? You're invited in to the most glorious plan, the most glorious mission in existence. Let me just close here. I want to read how Jesus um, closes the book of John. Well, not quite closes it, but he comes back, right? He comes back, he resurrects, and he meets with the disciples, and here's what he says to them. Verse 21 and 22 of chapter 20. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Here's how you're going to do it. So if you feel pressure or guilt, like i got to go do this and figure this out on my own strength, that's not it. It's a spirit-empowered witness. That's the whole book of Acts. A spirit-empowered witness. Okay, let me really close here on Ephesians 3, 19 and 21. Okay, one of my favorite prayers. Listen to this. Paul's praying that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowing, that knowledge, that you'd be filled with what? All the fullness of God. What does that mean? Filled with the Spirit of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, listen to this, according to the power at work within us. How is God going to do immeasurably, abundantly more than we can imagine? Through the power at work in us, in you and I. To him be glory in the church and in Christ through all generations. So do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know Jesus? Do you know God? Do you know the Trinity? This is the invitation for us to get in step with the Holy Spirit, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, to understand how the Holy Spirit is working and moving in us. Do you want in? Do you want to be a part of what God's doing? And this means anywhere you are. This isn't going over 
uh, uh, to some other country and, and being a missionary. It can mean that. This means right where you are with your children. They're your disciples. The Holy Spirit cares about them. And it's going to parent them through you. What if we really got connected to the Holy Spirit? Your coworkers, your friends, your family. So this is the invitation for us today. Will we live by the Spirit? We'll be empowered by the Spirit. And if we do this, guys, if we really hone in and get connected and walk by it or empowered by the Spirit, we may see a move of God in our day. Because that's what it looks like. We're so connected to Him. We're doing what He says. All right? Why don't you stand? I'll pray for us. Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, that made a way, that brought us home, that reconciled us to, the, to you, God. And I pray that we would be a people that would become more and more familiar with the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us heed these words of Jesus, the great promises of Scripture, that we may walk in a new way, in a newness of life, and by a new power, the power to love, the power to sacrifice, the power to lay down, because we believe in the glorious inheritance in the, of the saints that is stored up for us in heaven. Lift our eyes to that last day, Lord. Help us to endure in this day. We love you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus, and by your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.